Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I'm so excited because I have an amazing guest on the show. I feel so lucky, all these amazing people that I'm able to meet and have on the show and bring to you, the listener. So today we have a generational liberation coach on the show. Can you say that fast five times? (laughs) But this is so wonderful because we are going to delve into everything to do with kind of mother wounds, some trauma, everything. And let's face it, when you love someone with an addiction, we are faced with trauma, like little traumas, big traumas, like in the definition of traumas, like suddenly your, your, your trajectory of your life is going in a different direction than you thought was your life was going to go in. I know for me, I even went into the garage one time and I thought that my addicted loved one had hung himself. I saw his feet hanging down from the attic and it just turns out he was lying in the attic, having a cigarette, (laughs) you know, like normal people do. (laughs) Anyway, I would love to introduce you to our show, Valerie. Schrader is on the show. Hello, Valerie. Welcome. Hello. I'm so excited to be here with you, Andrea. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So for me, like you said, generational liberation coach, I am a mother of an amazing human. And for me, the journey of being a mother involved dealing with a lot of my own mother shit because I have a very toxic mother that was a narcissist and extremely abusive, led to a lot of pains in my life, Um, a lot of toxic relationships that really looked a lot like my mother. Um, Some of my partners were definitely extremely narcissistic themselves and it's funny like even though this is a podcast that talks a lot about um, being in love with somebody that has an addiction there's another side to addiction which is getting addicted to being in an abusive relationship and I learned that from my mother I was building my own business Um, I actually owned a pole and aerial studio And I owned one for 15 years and realized that I had even designed my business to have a lot of, of the same effects as I had with my mother, like a lot of the same behaviors, things like that. A lot of people pleasing, not setting boundaries, all kinds of stuff. And my relationships were looking like that. And it got to the point where things just kind of blew up, couldn't take it anymore. I ended up in the hospital for a suicide attempt Mm. because it was just like life could not get worse. And I felt like there was just nothing to do with it, like nothing that could be done. 
and ended up going to therapy, which <laughs> the irony of that was um, I didn't want to for a long time because I'd found therapists that just really weren't able to hear me and hear my experiences and finally found somebody that was good at it. And I'd even gone to school for therapy. My degrees were in, in psychology and in women's gender and sexuality studies. So, you know, it was just kind of proof of like, even when you know the stuff and the things to look out for does not stop you from doing it at all. So that got me motivated. Then I ended up also hiring a sex coach to really help deal with a lot of the impacted shame and and just really negative associations I had with myself my body relationships in conjunction with my therapy and I decided at that point it was time to let go of my studio and focus solely on coaching because I was finally in a better place I was in a place where I could really really enjoy life and witness where I had perpetuated patterns of harm that I had learned from my mother in all aspects of my life and and stop doing them and, and get away from them or you know pump the brakes when things would come up so here I am oh my gosh well first of all thank you so much for sharing your vulnerability and your story yeah. and your and I just also want to celebrate your path and how you and I'm obsessed with turning pain into purpose and like not letting struggle go to waste. And you are a complete yeah. example of that. And I just want to celebrate that and that you're here too and spreading, spreading your knowledge and support to the world. Um, I also want to celebrate this idea of recognizing that even though we have training and even though, you know, we might have these executive positions or we might be a doctors ourselves or, you right. know, I, it, it nothing prepares you for actually being in the experience of loving someone with an addiction or the experience of trauma. Then, you know, when you're in that muck, it's so challenging and so hard. So that is why we need professionals like you. That is why we need yeah. support groups like the SYKM community and reaching out. So I want to celebrate that you brought that, that that's one of the things, one of the ways you brought, took your power back. So that is my next question. Yeah. Like, how did you kind of go from feeling and uh, having you know so many so many experiences of struggle and then mm -hmm. catching yourself in a like for the listeners are thinking oh my gosh I am so in a narcissistic relationship right now with drug-induced narcissism I am in a toxic right. relationship there's a pattern here I'm a people pleaser mm -hmm. help me what do I do Valerie so how did you go from that yeah, yeah let's go let's go through so that the really big thing for me at first was learning to stop explaining people's behaviors. Mm. That was huge for me. So like, you know, in relationships, and I even had some toxic employees that, again, very narcissistic, very abusive toward me. I gotten in the habit of trying to see where what they were going through what their struggles had been or whatever and you know I think that a lot of times we hear to do that and what we miss is you'll get there eventually where you can see where somebody else's pain has caused them to act hurtful and harmful toward another person and it doesn't excuse what has been done to you what you have gone through 
So the first thing I really had to do to start understanding that I mattered and I had worth and I did not deserve to be hurt and be harmed was to start looking at things and just sitting down with my therapist and then my coach and having them go through me like, do, do you see your natural inkling to tell this person or to, to explain this situation, right? Like in my business, they're like, this person didn't get this astronomical amount of pay from you. So what they did is they went and spread a bunch of bullshit with other employees and it caused you to be attacked. This person spread a lie to clients and did all these things, or this person that you were dating, like they, they hurt you. They physically and emotionally hurt you. They did hurtful and harmful things to you. And it was just very eye-opening for me to do that because what I realized is I was in such a habit of explaining away everybody's behavior that my own self-worth had just over time diminished, 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 just kept getting less and less and less and less. So when I started to really look at things and say, actually, I get to take some space to be mad about that right now. I get to see what they did and get mad and express my anger in a healthy way. So like, I, I think I literally spent six months just processing things that had happened and actually allowing myself to move through the anger that had just been built up in my body for so long. Yeah. And it, I felt like it was never going to end, and it <laughs> did. But it it was like this is intense. All of this has just been sitting in here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much I love about this. So first of all, that realization of like stop explaining other people's behavior. It's like mm -hmm. it's so funny because we do that, right? We go into yeah. the muck of kind of you know explaining out their behaviors. It's like oh he you know he had a tough childhood, so you know he got abandoned, so maybe that's mm -hmm. why he's depressed, and then he needs drugs and blah blah blah. Or like we explain right. it out, or it makes sense that he you know he he needs to sleep, or like you know we explain out these behaviors, mm -hmm. or he's doing. But what we lose is ourselves and all that is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And, and that you stepped away from it to the point where you're like, okay, wait a second, I matter and I'm worthy. And my favorite part about what you just shared is the fact that it was brought to your attention that it's not okay. You yeah. weren't treated properly. You were abused. You, no yeah. matter how you explain away this behavior, abuse is abuse is abuse is abuse. Right. Right. It's like sometimes even in the world of loving someone with an addiction, we blame. I know I did. I blamed the the addiction on him being violent with me. I blame the yeah. addiction on his low moods and why I'm walking on eggshells. It's like so you do have a tendency to do that. So I just love that it was brought to your attention. It's like, you know what? you were abused. You're, that is yeah. toxic. That is not safe. And you have, you get to, I love your verbiage. You're talking my language. Yeah. I get to be upset. I yeah. get to sit in this emotion that, you know, is trying to protect me. I get to, you know, filling in the blanks. I love that. That's so empowering. Yeah, it is. And you know, in our, if we even look at our society as a whole, we have a tendency of explaining people's horrible behavior. And 
it does like two things can be true at the same time. Someone can have some really horrible circumstances or some really messed up conditioning beliefs that they've been taught. And of course it has had effect on who they become and the things that they do. And that does not make the behavior. Okay. It just doesn't have to, one doesn't have to, to close out the other one. Not at all. So true. Oh my gosh. It's so true. So then knowing that just having that realization is like, oh my gosh, it's like, because we're excusing out the behavior, we're almost giving it an out. We're almost mm-hmm. allowing it to happen. And, and I agree with you when we do that, what happens is we tend to erode our self-worth or we're or realization that we're worthy of an amazing life. We're worthy. And I say this to my community all the time. It's like, you know what, who are you without this addicted loved one in your life? Like, where's yeah. that person? Cause you're awesome. Like, and I'm sure, you know, and, and one of the expressions is my side of the street is clean. Like keeping, yeah. you don't let someone else's addiction destroy your life and suck you down in that vortex um so that's kind of what you're saying here too is this idea of stop explaining out their behavior and just see the behavior for what it is and then and then also recognizing I get to be upset about this because this is hard this is devastating this is traumatic so okay so what what would be the next step or how did you pull yourself through that So the next step, and again, if you're listening to this and like, oh, I need to do some work around this. (laughs) Again, it may feel like the anger will go on forever. It will not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it is a necessary step because what it allows you to do is recognize that you deserve better. It, It kind of allows this conversation with your subconscious parts to be like, hey, you didn't deserve that. And I'm gonna give you some space to let me know how you feel about that and let that out. So after I got to that step, I really started just becoming safe within myself. And what I mean, when I say that, what I mean is I really spent time first feeling safe to acknowledge that what was done to me wasn't okay, feeling safe to express my anger, and then feeling safe to discover who I am truly outside of all of the stuff that I went through, everything that I experienced, everything that I was taught. And so I got to this place of like looking at like, okay, so this is a pattern that I've had and it's based on this belief or this core wound, right? Is that actually true for me? Do I believe that? Is, is that really what I want? Who am I? What do I actually want? And I spent some time getting safe to just explore who I am and what it is that I deserve. So it just kind of became this whole process of getting to know me under the layers of trauma and conditioning that I had been through and to see that actually underneath I'm a really amazing person. I'm a good person. I'm a loving person. And when you can start to recognize that, you start to build up this, this, you know, bravado within yourself of like, actually, somebody else can be out here and they can, they can come at me with their, their bullshit or their harm or their hurt again. But I know who's in here. 
I know that person and that person is a good person and a loving person. That person does not deserve that. I just want to sit with that for a second because honestly, when you love someone with an addiction, you are explaining out behaviors left, right, and center. You don't feel safe within yourself. You question yourself. You question your worth. You question, is it because of me? You question all the manipulation, all the gaslighting, all the toxic behavior. And I love this idea here of just getting First of all, acknowledging, stop explaining out behavior. And then I love that you say you get to experience those emotions. I get to be upset about this. I get to, you know, offer myself kindness and compassion around this. I get to experience anger because this isn't right. And then I, this idea of going from a place of feeling safe within yourself and, and this is a process, right? And that, that is so beautiful. It's like feeling safe and recognize actually I'm amazing. I say that all the time within this support group on this podcast. It's like, actually, you know what? I'm good. And I remember even saying that to my addicted loved one. He's like trying to manipulate and gaslight me and like basically Mm -hmm. telling me that I'm the problem. I would turn and look at him. I go, you know what? I'm not the problem. (laughs) I'm good. Like I'm good. So the fact that you bring that up and I just want to sit with that is like, yes. Like, and I hope all the listeners just sit with it. Like, actually, you know what? We, we are good you know like the behaviors of other people and if other people have a substance a substance abuse disorder or addiction that is their problem and and I love that detachment from it that you bring up here so so lovely and then exploring who you are okay so how do we do that how do we explore who we are like that's the, the big question right So my personal methodology for that, um, because again, I've got that, that whole psychology background, the gender and sexuality studies, but I also like to incorporate a lot of sacred sexuality work because to me, when we know our sexual selves and our sex, like that is so intrinsically connected to our spiritual self, that is our divine self it is a weird lesson of like Western world that those things are separate. So we we can tap into our sexual body and really start to get to know that really like literally sit with the space of your root and sacral centers and start to amplify the energy there. So that may be through breath work. Maybe that is through meditation. Um, I'm a third generation meditation teacher because on the flip side of having a toxic mother, I have a amazing father that was a spiritual leader. And so was my grandmother. And, you know, yeah. So like, I've got this weird mix going on here, but I allowed myself to just start re-exploring those practices of getting to know my body, getting in pleasure with my body, exploring my body. And it doesn't sound at first like, well, how's that going to help me deal with somebody that's narcissistic or abusive or through an addiction? Like, But when you can get comfortable with that part of yourself and explore that and feel pleasure in that, and, and that doesn't have to just be orgasmic pleasure, but like pleasure in who you are when you can actually look at your body or touch it in a way and it and it you can feel alignment with it when you can amplify the energy of your body and feel like a clear pathway of energy moving up through it 
it starts to push out all of this gunk that's in the way, you know, like I always tell my clients, like sometimes we're like a sidewalk that has layers and layers of cement that has been poured over it. And underneath it, there's this beautiful, rich soil Yes, that's fertile and has the ability to grow amazing things. And, you know, when you see that sidewalk starting to crack open and life begin to grow back through it, like that's, that's that process. You're, you're just, you're pushing out all of the gunk, all of the things on top of the, you know, the soil, like, so to me, taking time to get to really know your body, to connect with who your inner mother, your inner father, your inner parent, your divine self are, and really take some space to reparent any parts of yourself that um, have experienced pain. And the one thing I've noticed is very true also for a lot of my clients that have been with partners with addictions is that somewhere down the line, probably a parent was a toxic person or somebody in their formative years was that started to make them feel like toxic behavior was acceptable. Hmm. And it is no fault through our own. I definitely don't believe that, but there's something that it just kind of like we find it to be acceptable. So that may show up in a different number, you know, or different ways within partners. Maybe they have an addiction, maybe they're abusive in other ways, right? It's all, it's all abuse. It's all harm, but like it comes there. So when we can also go in and heal those parts of ourselves and like do the reparenting work and do the body work to get in pleasure with our bodies it just builds up so much confidence and so much self-worth and trust of who you are at core. Oh my gosh. Okay. There's so much I love about all this. Okay. First of all, <laughs> thank you so much for going a little woo woo on us. And I, and I, oh, yeah. because I know the listeners are probably going, okay, that's way out there, Valerie. What are you talking about? Sexuality? Like, you know, mm-hmm. but I have to say, I'm all about this, right? If you think about it in the terms of yes, yeah, sexuality, and we think about that, if you take it more and you bring it to tapping back into your desires, to your right. pleasures, to what brings you joy. And then yes, also like, you know, and, and I actually, I was talking with a girl the other day and she goes, I listen, I basically, and pl- any li- little listeners listening, plug your ears is I basically listen to my pussy. And if yeah. my pussy says yes, and I have desire there, then I know that that is something that's a direction that I want to go in. It's like, it's like, yes, I feel that that feels good to me that that is where I need to be whereas if something is like you know not not uh we call it pussy dry it's like if it's like you know okay then you're not getting Mm -hmm. juiced by it it's not exciting for us and and I really love this piece of sexuality and and, and that you bring it in and so it's more about coming back and embodying because sometimes we we get stuck in our minds and we go up in our minds like oh my gosh I don't know what to do I'm worried 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 ruminating so then dropping back into your body and I love that you bring this to Mm -hmm. the table as this body work and and the words that you used are so profound it's reparenting it's like we're able to go into our body and reparent and and so can we talk about that like how do we do that yeah Yeah. so there's a few methodologies and and just to explain a little further for those of you that are listening you're like I'm still (laughs) not sure I am on board with this sexuality piece bring it on yes so on a neuroscience level our ego brains like what is known 
because to our brain, what we know, what is normal, what we've, we've been going through, right? That is living that keeps us alive. But when we step into unknown stimulus, unknown ideas, new ways of living and being, that's scary to our nervous system. Like it literally thinks we are the gazelle out in the Sahara desert or whatever. And a lion is going to go and kill us. Right. That sounds extreme, but that's literally what our brains are doing. They're freaking out and thinking that, okay, if you are healing from this trauma, if you are facing the the things that you need to face within yourself that cause this, whether it be through an addictive partner, whether it be through generational trauma or combinations of those things, it's like, yeah, that's not safe. We're not doing that. So when you add pleasure in, the body starts to calm down a little bit. The brain starts to calm down. It's like, okay, this isn't so bad. My nervous system is not getting hyper dysregulated and, you know, freaking out. I'm actually feeling pretty good in my body. It's kind of a way to trick it. You know, like we're playing smoke and mirrors effect over here. Like, look, here's pleasurable touch. Now let's go work on the reparenting. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Oh my gosh. I love that you explained it that way. Right. Because we love, obviously you and I come from a science background and research and we love the research behind it. So thank you for tying that together all, especially for the listeners that are like that as well. And we call it down regulating the nervous system. Right. So I know 100% when I was in the muck of loving someone with an addiction, it's like I was in the stress response over and over and over and over and over again that I had to like get out to that yoga class. And even if like part of the yoga class, my mind was on my addicted loved one, I still like that down regulation is so key. And I, and I especially love this idea of tapping back into your desire, like back into your joys and your pleasure centers. Mm -hmm. And so good. Yay. Yeah. So I think that for a lot of people, like that helps a lot and they can get on board with it. Cause yeah, when you are in this very dysregulated state, it's very hard to make rational decisions for yourself. And especially if you're thinking about like, okay, how do I, how do I end this relationship or how do I, what, what do I need to do to deal with this addicted partner or this, you know, this abusive partner, like you it's very hard to act from that place and, and do things that really are going to benefit you. So when we talk about the reparenting aspect, I like to do a few different techniques. Main thing is because IFS is my work for those of you that don't know what that means. It's interfamily systems. So what I like doing is processes where we literally have conversation with your inner child. And this can be at different stages. If you're not sure what it means to work with your inner child, your inner child is simply a memory that you carry. So it can be from a time in your life um, that there was something, either it happened the first time or the most impactful time, that it really set a, a belief or a pattern in place for you. So what we're doing is going back to that. So I will do this with clients either by having them internally visualize and connect to that part, like go back in a very safe way. Because again, we're not trying to re-trigger. We're not trying to bring things up, but really just check in with that part of us. You know, maybe six-year-old you um, witnessed an alcoholic parent 
being really abusive toward another parent. And there was something about that moment that just kind of set this belief in my head of, I, this is, this is the normal thing in relationships. This is what relationships look like, right? For me, again, there were things within my own childhood where there's key moments that stuck out from my mother. And then even seeing the the relationship my mother had with my stepfather, who was an alcoholic, um, that just, they, they clicked and they made me believe that this is the way relationships look. So when we go back and we connect to that part, we can start having a conversation. And this is where then we can also bring in that inner mother, inner father part to maybe meet some needs that that child needed met like or a younger adult you maybe there were some needs that hadn't gotten met that are really necessary for helping to build up some strength and also some resolve to let you now drive the bus and make decisions that come from an empowered place So we'll go in and do that meeting and whether that be like putting some pillows out and having you like literally talk to a little you on a pillow. I personally love that method because when we're done, I really like having my clients pick that pillow up and just, you know, being a mom myself too, like doing some soothing work with the pillow, like imagine just giving that to yourself. And then I also encourage my clients while we're doing that work to make what I call the backpack. So the backpack is can be a literal backpack or a list of different things that maybe you loved or as a child, or again, if this was young adult stuff, loved. So like movies, music, activities, things like that, that while you're doing this, you can give them very structured times to kind of come out, play, be seen and feel joy again. And it's highly empowering to do that. Oh my gosh. So many great nuggets here. Now, I remember I was, when I was in the muck and I was seeing a coach and mm-hmm. um, one thing that really was profound for me, and I was always putting on that brave face, like I know a lot of yeah. the listeners do as well. And, you know, like I got it together and we're just trying to figure yeah. everything out. But I remember that is an exercise that my coach took me through. And it was like basically taking me back to like Andrea at six years old, but you know, Mm -hmm. sweet Andrea at six years old, like think of yourself at like six years old. And it's like, it's like, it's like seeing yourself in the current moment as your six-year-old self and what you're going through. And and just, it was, I, I literally started bawling. I was like, you, Andrea, you are a ball of energy. You are so vibrant and beautiful. You, mm. it's almost like I was being a mom to my little self, yeah. like me in this current moment. And I was like saying that you don't deserve this. You, you mm-hmm. are so sweet and you are so deserving of love and you are so deserving of being treated well. And with people that are, that match your positivity and that match your vibrance and passion for life. Like I literally had a whole conversation with my Myself and I was bawling. Oh yeah, in <laughs> there. I was <laughs> yes. I was reparenting myself, but I yeah. gotta say it was so healing. Now I know it's a little bit of a spin on what you were saying because for me, I couldn't pinpoint any exact moment in my yeah. past that maybe some of this toxic right. relationship patterning came up. But for me, what I did is going back to 
a younger version of myself with the current situation I was in and offering myself that love and support that I'm really needing that I wasn't necessarily giving myself. Yeah. And, and sometimes there isn't an exact moment, but like, you know, when you get that quick intuitive to hit of immediately thinking about your six-year-old self, well, clearly your six-year-old self needs to hear something from you right now, or your six-year-old self needs something because there's something about this relationship that is triggering your six-year-old self, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's the kind of beauty of it when we go through that. And then with that, like, I like getting into generational lines of like really pinpointing even within the body where does a generational wound live? So like, you know, maybe that's not something that you're dealing with based on the relationship you have, but if there is aspects of you're seeing patterns play out, like that stuff lives within your body. And we know that from research, like we've, we've looked at generational lines. I'm Jewish. So there's, there was a lot of research done on Jewish ancestors of Holocaust survivors we know that things live in your physical body. Well, what if a pattern of, of belief or behavior that you are carrying out isn't even just something that was yours? What if it's your mom or your dad and then your grandma and then down the line, this keeps coming through, yeah. this settling yeah. for things. So when we can pinpoint that within the body, and just kind of feel into that, we can start to release the um, the hold that it has. I've had clients like suddenly tell me like, we'll be going into, you know, something going on. They're like, ah, I feel this horrible pain in my side. And I'm like, okay, do you feel safe exploring that right now? Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, I'm thinking of my grandmother. I remember this story or... Yeah, I feel like this is something like from somewhere we're in my family line and I don't even know what, what the hell it is, but I know it's there. And we start like, okay, so like, let's, let's do the work to like use the breath, use the body to pull that energy out and to fill that space back up with some love and some support and whatever oh, else is needed. Oh, and that's so powerful. It's like, and then the next thing you know, they'll be like, oh my God, I feel so much lighter. It's like physical weight starts to release. So true. Okay. Mm-hmm. So obviously this is best done with people who are experienced in it. Yeah. Um, and also, <laughs> but so for the people at home, you know, like for me, that was a guided meditation that I do now often. Right. So I can tap right. into what's my, you know, what's my six-year-old version of myself needing. Right. It's like, or if I'm struggling with something, it's like, you know, you can go into your teenage self and have conversations like, what can we do in the comforts and safety of ourselves? What would you recommend for those who can't? The deep work, please work with somebody so that they can hold you and make sure you're safe. But in conjunction with that, like doing some meditation, doing some breath work, you know, you can scan the body and notice like when you think of certain things like that are coming up in your life right now, like again, if you are in a relationship with an addicted partner and when you think about that or like specific behaviors, because as we all know in relationships like that, there's a cycle and there's a pattern that always happens. It just does. 
So when you think of that, like scan your body and notice where, where's their discomfort, where is their tension or resistance and like focus on either just asking like, what do you need to relax right now? You know, you, you want to go very gingerly with yourself and not try to push into things too hard, but you can take some time to breathe into that and just see like what's needed to help you right now. How can I support you? How can I make things feel less painful for you? And with that, the other thing I like doing is really finding the part of ourselves where we feel the most unconditional love. So like, you know, maybe that is in your heart. For me, it actually lives in my womb space. So um, a lot of my hurt and heart, like trauma was located in my heart. So what I would do is almost imagine this like infinity loop of energy pulling up from my womb as I would do a deep inhale and sending it into my heart and then just letting it fall back down to recycle and just doing it over and over again. And even sometimes like offering a little bit of self-massage to those spaces of our body where we feel pain from the emotional stuff to really start getting everything to calm down enough to relax enough that we can start figuring out like, okay, what, what do I need moving forward? What can I do moving forward? Oh my gosh. There is so much goodness there. So things that we can do on our own, obviously is Mm -hmm. I love this idea of body scanning, like coming in, dropping into your body away from your mind, by the way, like, because a lot of times we're in our mind and coming into the body is like, actually, you know what? I'm angry. Like, where do I feel that? Like I used to say, I feel it in my fists. I feel it in my jaw. Like I, you know, like, so kind of going into that, but I love the element that you add to this is this whole idea of compassion. It's like, okay. Mm -hmm. So like, like it makes sense that you're holding that there. It makes sense, you know? So how can we move kind of let it out and then feed that space with love. And it's such a beautiful visual, right? Like I remember, Right. One time I went to a Reiki um, practitioner and she was pulling, I could feel like her staying kind of by mm-hmm. my liver. And then I could feel her, like I could feel it recede. Like I could almost like yeah. literally feel this yeah. mocker tar being pulled off my liver. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I was like, what was that? And yeah. she started laughing and she goes, that's anger. Like that's anger. Yeah. Like I just let go of so much anger and she threw it away. She goes, don't worry, I threw it away. And we're going to just feed it in with this loving yeah. energy. Now you're safe now. And it's like, oh, it was like, it was an incredible yeah. body work. You're so right. This idea yeah. of like scanning our body attention, notice where there's resistance without judgment. And then you have so many beautiful questions that you recommend we ask, like, what do I need? I know for me, I always wake up and I start my day with what am I feeling? What am I needing? What am yeah. I wanting? Same. I love that. And just connecting in and, and then taking it also to the next level where providing those areas with love, like soothing. Mm-hmm. So even through touch or just energetically sending energy there, are there any other ways to bring love to those areas? Yeah. So this is also where, again, the pleasurable touch comes in, like physical massage, any way that you can activate your five senses. Um, And one of the things that I find really helpful with clients is we go through, and this is something you can do by yourself. So you don't even need to work with somebody to do this, but like 
really thinking about like, get it, get in your mind what you would ideally want. So this is where, again, the desires come back in. So you, you know, if you are in the relationship that's not serving you, can you create a visual of what you would want? You don't have to have experienced it yourself, but like look out there in the world and and see like, is there any examples? Are there any clues of what you would want? And that goes for anything. And then pay attention with that. See if you can think about like, okay, if I had this, if I was experiencing this, what would I smell? What would I taste? What would I, you know, hear? What would I touch, right? Get all of those senses involved. And then as you're moving through your day, see if you can activate one of those senses that you notice like really lit up for you the most. So to give you an example, I have a client that sense of smell is and hearing are huge. So throughout the day, she is playing um, like beach music, like with really soft waves. And we had, we have this hilarious tool of with the smell of because she likes fresh laundry so it's like so anytime you're working and you notice like a trigger come up or anytime you're getting ready to have a conversation with your mother because again toxic mom um and you know you're getting you're gonna see her or you're gonna interact get a dryer sheet and just close your eyes and smell it for like 30 seconds straight. Sounds weird as hell, but what it does is it recalibrates her to the desire she does want, right? So even in these smaller ways, like you can really notice for yourself, like on, on a daily basis, does are like on on a life basis, right? Do you notice that your sense of smell, like whenever you smell something that you really enjoy the smell of it, does it like light you up like no other? Like, can it change your mood instantly? Does going outside and hearing birds chirping um, or like for me in the fall, the sound of leaves crunching under my feet when I'm on a walk, something about that is magic to my nervous system, So maybe you can't access it in the exact way that you like it, but like, can you play a YouTube recording of leaves crunching in the fall or, you know, you you don't need to be doing loads of laundry every day, but go get a dryer sheet or maybe a candle or something. Do you like, um, do like fuzzy things remind you of when you were a child in a teddy bear? So you go get a fuzzy pillow and you just, you kind of take a few seconds every day, maybe a few times a day if you need it to go touch that and just bring your nervous system back down and recalibrate yourself toward what you do want. Oh my gosh. I love this. So recalibrate. I love this idea. And it reminds me, it's so funny because when I was in the muck of loving someone with an addiction, I would listen to Kane. Okay. I love Kane Brown. Truth be told. Anyway, so he's got this one song, like not one song, so many of his songs. just Right. But like, like, there's this particular one. 
So I know that I wanted to have, like I, when I'm in with this person, there's a lot of abusive behavior. And I was thinking of, I know what I do want. I want to have a guy that basically feels like the lyrics in some of his songs are like, you know, like um, yeah. lying in bed next to you is like heaven. And like, so, and right. my addicted loved one frequently never came to bed. He would stay out in the garage all night or didn't come home. And I was alone right. in bed. So I knew what I wanted. So exactly your point is like thinking about what is it that you would like ideally and that's what I wanted ideally so in order to calm my nervous system I would listen to Kane Brown and I would go into those moments as if Kane Brown was freaking singing to me I if he came to sing to me oh my gosh like lights out (laughs) (laughs) it'd be the freak out moment of like oh my god (laughs) oh my god Kane Brown but anyway yeah so I was able to access as if that special someone whether that be you know the person that I was with became clean and you know or someone in the future I was able to downregulate my nervous system and kind of access the feelings of being loved and cherished and admired and slept with and enjoyed Uh, and so it's so cool that you bring that up so I love that so would that be considered activation then how I brought myself into those emotions Mm -hmm. of feeling yeah Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think a lot of times, like, especially if you start learning about nervous system, we're like, oh, we don't want to activate it. I'm like, uh, actually it kind of depends on what's going on. Like if you're feeling like hella, like, you know, dysregulated, you're feeling super anxious, super, like almost like hyperventilating or your body feels like it's, you know, going down a roller coaster, your heart's racing, whatever, then you probably need to do something that calms you down a little bit. And that's where sometimes like taking some cleansing breath, like seeing where you can release energy, maybe shaking the body, whatever needs to happen there. But sometimes the activation is necessary because what it does is again, it recalibrates your mind to go for the thing that you want. And our minds, we stay swimming in them so much. (laughs) So those moments where it's like you are consumed with, you know, like if you're laying there at night and your partner's not there and at first it's like, God, I wish that I had somebody that was just here in bed and was happy to be in bed with me. And then what happens? Your mind goes on a tangent and it's not helping it's not bringing you into a good place and it's just not the time for you to be processing things that's the moment where yeah you do want to activate the okay so what do I want instead so that your mind can be like okay let me take focus off of this let me go over here that feels better sometimes that is absolutely necessary so true. I love this. So this whole idea of, and, and it's so fun looking around in the world too, for examples or clues. Mm-hmm. Now I'm curious though, like what about like, for example, I know that a lot of the listeners, they have children that are the addicted loved ones in their lives and, and they're thinking, oh my gosh, well, I'm going to look around at all these I desire my child to be clean. I desire, you know, but we have no control over other people. So in that situation, how, how do you, what do you recommend? So this is a hard one with the kids because our natural instinct as a parent is unconditional love. And the first thing I have to say to that is unconditional love sometimes means saying I love you and I cannot help you I I can't 
I can't be in your world right now with this. So when we are looking at, you know, we're looking for examples or whatever, maybe some of that is holding an image for your child of, of being this healthy and happy human being, right? Because sometimes going back to a time and when they were little, like all that's going to do is make you feel the loss of that more. And that's not helpful. And also we want to see our children as who they are, but we want the best for them. So maybe that in that moment is the moment where you just really focus on what if I could see a version of, of my child living their life in this happy, healthy place? And it's not me putting anything on them of dictating who they are, but just seeing them as happy and healthy. And then what I really like to do for that is, you know, where we're bringing up love to the parts of ourselves that are hurt. What if you imagine sending that out as well? So that infinity loop, Instead of it just connecting to from, you know, one part of you to another, connect that loop to them and just imagine pouring in your love and support. And sometimes maybe that needs to be from afar for a little while. And I mean, you know, my child, I, I could not imagine having to be apart from them, you know, because of their addictions or anything like that. But I also have witnessed it and I know that sometimes that is necessary. So that can be a way that you can still maintain connection to them and see them in their best and offer that love in whatever way you need to right then with them. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for that. I think that's beautiful. And, and also, so bringing, I love that idea of bringing up that love for yourself, wrapping it around places that you feel needed, but then also sending it out. Yeah. 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 And again, like that may need to be from afar. I've not had that experience with my child, but my child is also, they've gone through their own pain um, they're gay and non-binary and there was a point in life where they were just feeling a lot of pain because the outside world you know when they were going to school was not a happy place and there was so much sadness and depression in them so I I would take the time to do that because I'm like I can't fix this I can't make I can't do anything to make it better because the world is the world and unfortunately this is something that all I can do is share love and, and, you know, be there to support them, but also send them love. Like I would literally, when they would be at school, just like imagine, like just sending my love and, and almost imagine wrapping my arms around them to hold them because sometimes that's all you can do. Oh my gosh. And, and that's what I do to, to the SYKM community. I literally pull all yeah. my love and I wrap my whole community with love and I send it into the private Facebook group and out through this podcast. And oh my gosh, I love that. It's so powerful. So powerful. So I love this idea of what would like thinking about this, everything you said, I love everything you say, but this idea of desire and tapping into your joy and your pleasure again. And sometimes it's really hard when you're in the muck, but then also looking for how you would like things ideally and taking that time to check in. Like I get to feel good. I get to enjoy this life. It's like, okay, so what is it that I, what's forgotten, you know, what it is that it is that we desire and like it's, it's getting getting to that safe place that you talked about. So down-regulating the nervous system and then kind of 
looking for evidence or clues as to what it is that you would like the ideal. That's so powerful. Yeah. So I'm curious if there is like one more thing that you would love the listeners to hear, what would that be? Hmm. Oh my God. There's so many things. Um, if I was going to leave you with something, just one last thing to remind yourself of is to find truth within yourself. You know, we, we get in the habit of, we, we keep looking for others to give us the answers to things. And yeah, people can guide you like, you know, as a coach, of course I'm guiding you, but really just take time every day to pay attention and ask yourself, what is true for me? Outside of all of the things, outside of all of what you're going through, what is true for me? And if you can ask yourself that question and you may not hear anything right away, but the more you ask, your own intuition will start lighting up a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And it's going to start to give you answers. And those answers are going to help you with whatever you need. Oh my gosh. It's so true. It's amazing how, when you just get quiet and ask what is true for me, I remember I, I did this. I'm like this. I remember when I was in the muck and I said, this is not healthy for me anymore. Like that was true for me. It's like, if there, if I could like say three truths, like I even asked if what's true right now, and then I would journal it. And Mm -hmm. it's so powerful. I love that suggestion, Valerie. It's so good. It's like, what is true for me is like just getting quiet, tapping in, listening to the answer and not, not, not questioning the answer or judging it, knowing that that is the answer. Yeah. And it may seem like the wildest answer you're going to get, but it's what you need. So just go with with it whatever it is go with it it's it's what you need you need to hear right yeah I love and a lot of what we've talked about too is about internal dialogue like talking to ourselves Mm -hmm. listening to ourselves being aware Mm -hmm. self-awareness honest with ourselves and um, you know stop explaining other people's behaviors it's all about and so that's why I'm so so excited to talk with you because it's all about awakening and regaining your inner power and just like it's empowering uh, when we we're in the driver's seat right in the driver's seat of our life Yes. Yay. Well, thank you so much, Valerie. I know everyone's going to want to get a hold of you. I'm going to put all your notes, like all the links in the show notes, but um, where, where can they get a hold of you if they want to reach out? Yeah. So my website is sensual-power.com. You can find out like all the different things that I offer from there. Um, You can find me at the Valerie Schrader on Instagram. So either one of those DM me, shoot me a message, or again, book a call on my website, go check it out. I have lots of ways that you can work with me, get some of my magic. It's all there. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much, Valerie. You are so welcome. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And, of course, share this with your community and your support groups. 
or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.